Hello, and welcome to Health and Fitness Redefined. I'm your host, Anthony Amen. Join me today as we take a dive into the world of health and wellness, where we learn how to overcome adversity to pick back first fiction and see health and fitness in a whole new light. Today, guys, it's going to be a special episode. I know that the last couple have been crazy, but we're going right back down to the roots. That's right, all the way back into personal training, into biomechanics, and I am super excited to have this guest on because I do know him personally. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show, Kareem. Kareem, welcome to Health and Fitness Redefined, buddy. Thank you for having me. Super pleasure, man, to have a fellow trainer on here to really just be all nerdy because I don't really get to do that once in a while. It's just I just dive down to like what we do and how we do it. People just think we're just pointing and staring and laughing at them. But <laughs> personal training, as we both know, is way more than that. But first, I want to learn a l- little bit about you. So why did you become a personal trainer? Uh, what do you currently do now? Tell us. Cool. Um, it all started when I was 12 doing bicep curls. Um, and from there, uh, a, a appreciation for getting a pump uh, began. Um, I've always been active, but not necessarily the world's most well-rounded athlete naturally. And so um, injuries and, you know, performance gaps have drawn me to the gym. And so at a certain point, though, you know, you're in a gym enough, you start to see other people in and out often. And, and the bug started to get over me that I want to help this person uh, make the most out of their workouts. So fast forward a few years and uh, different life experiences. And, and here we are where I've, I've been training now people very consistently the last seven years, um, first in uh, the CrossFit space, and then uh, moved on to teaching at a school for people who want to become personal trainers along while having clients. Then I opened up a gym just before COVID. Um, COVID came in and went through that whole experience and kind of ravaged um, uh, the industry in general, as we all know. And so um, I was able to kind of bow out of that experience and that whole business and moved into uh, a new one here at my home in Northport, New York. And, uh, and now I see clients here. I also, of course, like a lot of folks, have transitioned to online training. Yeah, so now you're kind of working on the online world, which what are you doing exactly with that? You're building programs, right? Yeah, so I find that for a lot of folks, um, they're in that in-between range where they don't necessarily need or really want to put the investment in into more time from a trainer. And so one-on-one maybe isn't fitting inside of their budget. So um, finding a way for them to still get the most out of their workouts by working with me, we consult once a month for about an hour, and then I write them a program that they then carry out on their own. Throughout the month, we check in to make sure that they're getting the most from their workouts. They send me videos, and then uh, and then I redesign, and we just sort of cycle through it every single month. So interesting. The online world has always interested me, but just not something that I do, and I'm glad you're a part of it because I know you're really making a difference with all of it. I just want to go backtrack just to something you said. It started off when I was 12 and doing bicep curls in front of the mirror. I think that's hysterical because I think that's where we all started. <laughs> right. So when you notice that bug starting to 
get a hold of you were saying you wanted to help other people. What was that first step you took to get on the training track? The first step was good question. <laughs> the first step was taking a, a certification over at Hofstra University that they had uh, paired up with um, a relatively local community or um, certification body. And <clears throat> from there, I got a, a gig over at New York Sports Club, which was the gym that I had trained at during um, the time where I really started to fall in love with training. So it was, it was a natural transition because I was already there and knew, knew other trainers, knew other clients there. And, and it was a nice, seamless uh, uptake. Um, and that, that lasted through college for the most part. Once um, college was behind me, I, I kind of let go of training one-on-one -on -one with people um, and moved to a Zen community where I then became a trainer by default because I was one. And so, um, and by trainer, I mean, I led the, the, we had like morning meditations, but before the meditation, there would be like a yoga component and or a Qigong, which is like a Chinese movement medicine. And um, even though I wasn't necessarily a pro at either of those, I think my understanding of biomechanics and having spent time in the gym, making adjustments to whatever movement, a back squat, a split squat, you know, just like becoming very aware of my body, I naturally took well to it and could then see it in other people. And, and that's where I got a chance to work with different populations because it wasn't just people who already go to the gym. These were people who have never stepped inside of a gym, people who are, are Zen monks. Um, most of them were women in their mid fifties to late seventies. So that's where I like completely changed the way I look at a lot of this stuff where it was mostly around performance and now it was around longevity. Interesting. So you kind of steered yourself a little bit to teaching people how to live longer on top of that, being able to have a better quality of life. So even though they may live to 70, 80, 90, if you can't walk, move, enjoy the little things, is it really living in a sense? So you help people achieve that. Yeah, now I combine the two where I, you know, even for Mima, who's 90, I think there's value to her working on things that are, in essence, improving her athletic ability, her strength, which you wouldn't necessarily combine, you know, mentally as being something that she should be working on. But I believe that she should work on her ability to jump um, because her ability to absorb that landing would make a future trip and potential fall less likely. And so under the watchful eye of a trainer, you know, and that, that's, that's, uh, that's an extreme example, of course. Um, but there's progressions for, for her to do even without a, the watchful eye of a trainer. Yeah, I, I totally agree. A lot of people kind of get that understanding that when you get older, that you don't, you shouldn't be doing hit training or weightlifting training. It's a totally the opposite. And the more research that's done in, that age group, it's actually shown it's actually even more beneficial for them than it is for someone who's younger because they don't do it, but they really need to do it. Because like you said, God forbid they fall, can they get back up? And this is something we do with all of our clients, regardless of age. If they come into our gym for our assessment and tell us that, hey, I can't get off the floor, I tell them right off the bat, the first thing you're accomplishing in our gym is learning how to get off the floor. We're going to make it work. Because God forbid you fall, especially if they live by themselves, I want to make sure you can live and see tomorrow. Yep. So I love that a lot. In their workouts, once they have the knowledge that they are safe, 
on their two feet, you know, and if they, if they get, if they leave their feet for some strange reason, they can get back up. Um, not having that awareness, I, I can only imagine would really be unconsciously debilitating. And so uh, helping people get out of that is, is like really a joy when people feel more balanced, they actually experience it. Totally agree. And that kind of leads into what I really want to talk to you about and just kind of start that conversation is that subconscious thought, which talks to me about mind muscle connection. A lot of people hear that and really don't know what it means. They go, Oh yeah. A lot of people have a couple of things running through their head. They have mind muscle connection, which is really more like something that they may have gotten from a article or a trainer. Um, but we all hear about like mind, body, soul connection. Um, and then like, I think most people have something around muscle memory. They like kind of have something around that. They know that that exists to some extent. Um, so maybe just to kind of, um, give a bigger overview, like, um, so you have a brain and your brain is connected to your spinal cord and that's the, like the control center of all the wiring of your house, right? It's like the, the, you know, like the box, right? And the wiring through your house, you know, goes all the way to your fingertips, all the way to your nails, right? And that nervous system, those nerves and the system of those nerves kind of are you in a sense, because the, they are like the hardware that your software, which is Anthony or Kareem or dot, 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 your name. Um, that's who you identify as, right? So it's like so crazy because they're so, they're like, they're different words so that it almost confuses people into thinking they're different things, but really they're the same thing and everything is everything. Um, and so we're getting like, deep, man. I, <laughs> right? So what I, um, what I like to think about is that like, you're just an accumulation of a lot of moments and, and you're really just like a, a meat vehicle walking around, you know? And so um, at a very basic level, like how can, how much awareness do you have of what's going on with your body, with your mind? And how is that affecting you on a deeper level? Um, and then maybe we can really get into like, the story that runs through your head, which maybe has something to do with your soul, like the the spirit that you walk around with, you know, um, I don't know. But when I can help people get really close to really feeling things like, let's say their hamstrings when they're doing a deadlift, you know, I, I tell people there's three rules to doing a deadlift. One, keep your spine neutral. Two, keep the bar close. Three, find your hamstrings. And, and really, that's just me saying find their posterior chain could be their calves, their hamstrings, their butt, their lower back. You want to create tension back there. In a perfect world, it's the hamstrings because you're anchored into your heels. Okay. Um, when they get that sensation and they actually can experience, you know, like when people will come up out of really nice deadlift, they'll kind of rumble up if it's at the right weight and they're using the right technique and they still keep their back straight. That to me <clears throat> is one of the most amazing experiences to be a part of because I know that I indirectly help them experience something that they've never experienced before that they had everything in having it been done like it wasn't something that happened to them it's something they did and now they have the wiring in their body their brain that can potentially lead to more longevity right like now that person can potentially sit down into a toilet seat into their 90s 
on their own a little bit better because they've figured out how to like balance themselves better and use their trunk and, and do things that they always have to do. I got an interesting story to talk about this and I think it will help the audience kind of understand how much we need this. So I had a client who we were doing chest flies. And for those that know our chest flies, it's supposed to be predominantly a pec major. So your chest, as you can imagine. And he's doing this exercise. And he, he goes, I'm like, oh, how are you feeling this? Like, make sure you squeeze your chest. He goes, my chest. I feel it in my legs. It's like, your legs? He's like, yeah, man, my legs are so sore. It's someone who was his first time ever working out. And it goes to show that if you don't think about what muscles you're working, your brain is just shooting signals throughout your body, trying to figure out how to make this thing work because it thinks that's the right way. And it's the same thing we do through learning, where if we're learning how to write, let's say, we make these mistakes, we're just kind of putting lines on a piece of paper until we teach ourselves, no, it's actually done this way. And we create that response that goes from our hands down to our fingertips. Okay, move the body like this to get this letter. Same concept with working out. Move this muscle and this motion to really target that muscle and help do this exercise and move that weight. Yep. And I think a lot of us, and I say us as the collective we type of us, a lot of people don't realize that that that, that is a kind of process like really similar to what you're describing with like writing out letters letters then form words words start to form sentences you know and and so taking that kind of approach like hey let's like spend a lot of time at the beginning together here really just focus on learning more so than getting an amazing workout and that's not to say that there aren't ways for you to find ways to like burn calories and and get your abs but if we're going to do this for past just this summer you, we're going to need to really make sure that we like lay down the tracks so that you can really push it hard in two, three, five, six years. Um, and, and, you know, really truly transform yourself. Whereas, you know, if we kind of just like patch it together, one training camp almost at a time, most people don't see long-term results that way because they end up burning themselves out. And by burning themselves out, I mean, they're in pain, something hurts. Burning this is out, creating more injuries, which is ultimately going to lead to you going back downhill and end up worse than where you were, not so jumping into things head first. <laughs> yeah, you didn't improve your fitness. You were more fit before you started having knee issues because you weren't in pain when you got up and out of the toilet. I think the prime example of this is middle-aged men wanting to play basketball for the first time ever with the kids and jumping straight into a game. Yeah. You know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Rolled ankle. <laughs> yeah. Some ligament is going to hate that game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and I thought I could do this. You didn't take the foundational training of it yeah. before you hopped into it. Because, hey, as you get older, foundations are way more important. Knowing and being more consciously aware of how the body works. When you're young, you can fall and bounce back up. When you're old, you fall and don't really bounce. Yeah, you have less elastin in your skin and muscles and connective tissue. You're just less bouncy. <laughs> you have less electric, like elasticity, less water in all your cells, you know? And so, um, you know, I don't even tell people I'm a personal trainer anymore. 
um, because like we've talked about this, there's just nothing around that word doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Cause I I've taught people who have become personal trainers um, and we've gone through 600 hour courses and at the end of it, they're still very much a beginner. Um, and, and so to, in my brain, I don't even think of me as being a personal trainer because online you could be a personal trainer. If you happen to have like solid genetics, you tan well. And, and, you know, you know, a lot of times the people are doing really well or people that, you know, like get the most eyes were like really high level athletes. Like they don't even understand what it's like to have pain, you know? So like, what are they going to do for, for Susan? Who's like, you know, just trying to like, you know, learn how to do a push-up well and like not wake up with a really stiff neck. Just- yeah. I, we see this a lot. And interesting. we've talked about this on previous shows, but the importance of as the people listening to this, and if you're looking for a trainer, do your research. Don't look for the people that have all the bells and whistles and the most followers on Instagrams and have the nicest body. Yeah. That doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. And that yeah. especially doesn't mean, they can train somebody untrained. I can't tell you how many people come in as trainers for interviews. Oh, uh, why? What makes you a good trainer? Oh, I train my friends. They work out the same I do. I know how to work myself out. But how do you work out somebody who's twice your age, has high cholesterol and high blood pressure, rolled an ankle, is overcoming an ACL injury? So yeah. figure that one out because that's the people that are coming to personal training. So, yeah, and if you're that person coming, yeah. Uh, I, I call myself, I, I went on that whole thing, but the, um, I, the reason was because I, I call myself a longevity advisor now, and that's really applicable even to teenagers. Um, Cause we're, I'm seeing plenty of people come in and out who are dealing with things that, you know, aren't going to age well if they don't do something about it now and doing something about it now, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun because it doesn't mean that they get to perform right now. So bridging that gap is, is really important, even for somebody at that age, you know, there, there's a, a way to gamify some of these things. So like making, you know, knee rehabilitation exercise sizes sexy and, and like useful. when people start to see results and feel results, you know, it really makes a difference. And, and so having some of the knowledge that I've accumulated over time about you know, approaching the body holistically and knowing how to just deal with the parts as well has been um, something that, you know, you can't replicate experience. And, and that's been um, really the saving grace really throughout this whole COVID time, because now there's more people who are in fitness than ever, because something that you can do online and everybody's looking for ways to make money, but not everybody understands that being a real full-time coach is more akin to being a craftsman. It's not something you just like pick up. Um, it's something you obsess about. Yeah. I know we've talked to me and you have an obsession problem. How many times we've gotten to conversations with ourselves and other people we talk to and they're just like, I don't care. I was like, why, why didn't you care how the knee works? <laughs> it's fun. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to talk about a little bit more of, the nerdy side of it, because we never really dive too much into science and biomechanics in this show. We kind of keep things simple, but I think we should for a little bit, just for fun. So yeah, and we can bridge the gap. Exactly. So let's uh, let's talk about something. Let's do uh, deadlifts because it's something you mentioned earlier. Okay. So uh, go um, for it. Yes. 
The deadlift is a complicated movement that looks very simple. It's a movement that is fundamental, but doesn't necessarily fundamentally be in everybody's program. Um, there's pros and there's cons. The movement is called the deadlift, right? So it implies death. Um, but on the other side of death is life, right? And it used to also be called the health lift, which is interesting. Really? Yeah. And it makes sense because it, it utilizes a lot of muscle. It probably does a better job of engaging your nervous system than your, than like a squat because it takes a little less skill. So because it takes less skill, it's easier to turn off some of your inhibitors when you're doing the movement. And I, I agree. That thing's the hardest mentally out of the basic exercises. It's the hardest mentally challenging exercise. Right. Right. Cause there's a lot of ways that can go wrong. Um, yeah. So it's this amazing, beautiful dichotomy. Uh, it's, you know, simple and complex. It's dangerous and helpful at the same time. Um, what, what I've started to really think about Anthony is that like movements like that though, are not that different than other movements like that. So like even a bench press, a back squat, a strict press, a deadlift, I kind of think of them as still being in the similar category in, in that the setups for those movements are actually very similar. So they're similar in that like, hey, they're all involving a human body. They're all um, bilaterals. They're two sides working in unison. So they're two sides at once. And they live in this like up and down plane, you know, forward and back, up and down sagittal plane. Um, so they're 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 kind of they're the kind of movements that we can really get a lot of strength training from, where you are just purely performing force, and so that's great because you can build a lot of muscle and and tension into the system. Um, the setup though is key. So what I wanted to talk about was some of the basic things that you see with a lot of people. A lot of people when you see them standing, right, and they're just on their two feet, if you look at them from different angles, you can see that most people are anterior, meaning they're forward in their lean. So they'll have like their hips and their head and everything is sort of in front of their ankles, as opposed to being stacked over their ankle. And it's, it's, it's relatively subtle, like you have to look at somebody with something to reference to oftentimes. Um, but getting somebody before the lift in essence, and there's many different pieces to this, right? Cause there's so many joints from the feet up to the head. Um, but getting those joints into a similar position relative to the setup of that movement, whether it's a bench press or a strict press, they're, they have very different setups because one starts from the top and one starts from the bottom. And when you're standing, when you're laying, however, you still want to get your heels anchored into the ground because you want to try to get your your hamstrings engage a little bit because your hamstrings connect to your pelvis and, and your pelvis connects to your spine, which then has the ribs connected to it. So we also want to like get your diaphragm to like pull on your lungs to create like a really drawn out and big rib cage. And then you can go ahead and tighten around it with the Valsalva maneuver. And it's like all of those movements have the same sort of components. So, you know, uh, training it really, really well, will influence other things that you do in the gym. And then it influences how you do things outside of the gym. And, and I try to simplify things. And it's like, 
okay, we need to do this with this. We need to do this with this. And we're going to do this every single time you do something with a barbell, whether it's bench press, back squat, deadlift, or what have you. And then you start to be able to apply to other movements that have nothing to do with weights, like yoga class. I think the just one funny tidbit, which I always say to people, is if you ever want to learn how to squat and deadlift, watch a toddler. Mm. Brilliant. <laughs> they get that form down just like Yeah. And it's because they haven't been, you know, effed with, right? Like their biomechanics are so pristine and they actually naturally like lend themselves to doing things like squatting really well. Um, I have a son and, and so his head is enormous relative to his body. Right. And, um, his squat mechanic looks really great. And when I put him on my shoulders, it kind of makes my head bigger. And then if you look at me doing a squat with him on my back, I'm way more upright. It's just like the biomechanics because of the weight distribution are different. Um, and not to mention the fact that his ankles and his knees and his hips have still full range of motion. They've never, he's never twisted his ankle or anything like that. So yeah, the, the core, right, is really a huge part of everybody's life and really the reason why core training keeps coming up and will forever is because nobody knows how to breathe. If you really learn how to breathe, then you have the access to all of those core muscles and then they have more tension at rest. And then you just look svelter and you're more relaxed. And when you're more relaxed, you don't need as much sugar. And when you don't need as much sugar, then you don't store as much fat on your stomach. And it just sort of breathing's everything. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent. Now we're just going off. <laughs> I want to go back to uh, the kind of deadlift point, which is probably my favorite part of it is you were kind of saying it's good and bad, which I agree. I just want to add more to it. So the first part of it is I'm a huge component of the deadlift. I love it for one specific reason is we're always deadlifting in day-to-day -day activities. If you ever have to pick something off the ground, you should be consciously thinking about how you deadlift in the gym and doing it the same way. Yeah. I yeah, don't, I however, do right. agree with the three, four, 500 pounds. I mean, when in the world are you ever deadlifting 500 pounds in day-to-day -day life? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, um, the, the biggest thing I think for, for me that I've seen for myself, right. I came from like a CrossFit space for a few years there in my mid twenties. And, and that was all about like your performance and, and making your workouts more than just a workout, but a chance for you to actually compete, even if it's just against yourself and a workout you've done in the past. And so each time you, you see a movement you're like, how have I improved? How much more can I push myself on this? When maybe the real mindset needs to be more like, how much better can I get at this very simple movement? And at a certain point, what I'm doing with this is so good that it's going to be almost natural for me to want to add load. And, and that's maybe the perspective that we need to take when it comes to like overloading progressively is it's not something that you, it's not something that you choose to do. It's something that kind of happens to you because you've adapted, you've gotten stronger and now you can handle more. So let's handle more more so than like, let's give you more so that you get stronger. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, I work a lot with the proprioception training and learning how to work more with what goes on in day-to-day -day life. So a deadlift, for example, I mean, 
practicality reasons here, right? You're not ever picking something off the ground with perfectly flat surface and it's always something's a little off here and there. So why not train that way? Where I love understanding where, my, where your body is in space, just for those that don't know proprioception means, but changing up, all right, let's add a little instability here. Let's do this. Instead of having that load, 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 load mentality, let's take a really simple movement. Let's add a first load of perfect bodyweight squats. All right, great. Now let's look, work how to do a lunge because a lunge theoretically is a squat, just a squat of one leg with the back leg assisting. All right, now let's make it a little harder. Let's do a little instability. Let's put it on a BOSU ball or some kind of pad where your body has to work to help balance yourself because these are little nuances that are happening around in your environment, which those are the types of things you should be training for, especially, which I love what you said, but diving into the longevity training. That's how you build longevity as opposed to just aesthetic training, which is let me load, 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 just to like have six pack abs and big biceps <laughs> kind of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that's very key because without that kind of variation in training, then you overdo specific movement patterns and joint angles, which then start to overuse the joints. And then the joints start to bark back at you. And, and now you're not feeling so good um, because you're feeling a little bit of pain in that joint every time you do anything, even not that specific exercise. So uh, like learning what I've learned over the last few years, especially is that variety is, is actually necessary. And even if you're not changing the amount of load that's on the system, you're still training the nervous system as though there is more load because it's learning how to adjust to this moment, to this movement in this moment right now. Um, and then, you know, whenever you have like full engagement, um, you know, it's very easy to like go into a default mode network uh, as an athlete or as a trainer where you just sort of do what you've always done and you're not really present. Whenever you can like introduce that, that's really where adaptation happens because that's where you're like on your edge and that's when your body is like, oh, I got to put in some norepinephrine into the system. Let me download this so that I'm not left feeling like a fool again. Yeah, I do just as good of a job as overloading and eventually deadlifting 500 pounds. Like you don't actually ever really need to be that strong. You probably just need to be like relatively strong for your own weight um, and have like the ability to be in weird positions. You know, like when you're deadlifting, you're bending over and you're trying to pick something up in real life, like just moving my son's high dare, like I'm using deadlift muscles while I'm walking it from one end of the room to the other. Um, but it is different. And at the same time, it's so similar. So what I do is I try to brace myself much like I do in a deadlift. And I just try to take it one moment at a time and make sure I don't hurt myself, you know, and, and building that kind of physical awareness is, is what I think you really get out of the gym outside of just burning calories. I, I absolutely agree. I think that's the most, that's the perfect point right there. So I just want to ask you, Kareem, just kind of in closing, which is out of everything we just talked about, right? What's that last piece of inspiration or just summary point that you can give to our listeners as a take-home message? So my gym's called Physical Experience, uh, and that's because as a longevity advisor, I'm using the physical to create an experience that you can age gracefully into. Love it. 
And then, and so it's like every single day becoming more aware of what's going on with your body and, and having your, your workouts be, the gym should be like a church to people, you know, should be a place where you really go there and you, and you, you leave a little bit transformed and more connected. I love that. Gym is like a church. That's the summary right there, man. <laughs> yeah. And the last question, the easiest one of all, how can people get a hold of you? Where can they find you? Give us all the good details. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, physical.experience. Um, you can find me on Instagram as the Meathead Monk. That's all one word, Meathead Monk. Um, and I'm working on putting a better website together right now. I have a, a, a Facebook, I'm sorry, a, um, a Google form where if you're interested in what I do, I'll reach out to you after you fill that out. Make sure that you're qualified and actually interested, serious about it. I love that. Got to be serious to work with Kareem. And I going to steal that one too for us too. No way, right? <laughs> like you can't convince somebody to do this. I tell people all the time, if you don't want to, if you're going to sit here and tell me as you're coming in, you know, I don't know. I got to think about it. Let me go home. Yeah, go for it, man. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to follow up with you because if you don't want to do this, I don't want you here. Love it. And thank you guys for joining us on this week's episode of Health and Fitness Redefined. Don't forget, subscribe to our show and join us next week as we dive deeper into this ever-changing field. And remember, fitness is a journey, not a destination. Thanks for coming on, Kareem. Until next time. For us, we know what it's like to feel unhealthy, depressed, and downright defeated. We want to show others there is a right way and through fitness, you could do anything you set your mind to. Fitness can give you that motivation, confidence, energy you need to bridge that mental gap and prevent you from missing important life events. We understand it's about feeling better, living longer, and being good examples for our kids. We understand this because we live it. And for us, that's the redefined difference.